So, what is Anthony Alford uh, done besides those three three stolen bases? Strike out a lot. For a long time. <laughs> yeah, so this is Ioannis Cespedes' half-brother, who just recently defected from Cuba. A Cespedes for the rest of us. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 167 of artificial turf wars bringing you the important spring numbers like 32 14 and 81 where would you be without us i am your host greg wisniewski and i am joined as uh in perpetuity uh could we say that by joshua house i'm josh how's it going <laughs> We're be doing this forever. <laughs> you thought well, there was an escape, but no, it's the artificial turf wars hotel, California. Yep. But you are. I'm good. Our, I'm down in Florida. So. Yeah, you're a man in Dunedin. That's right. Or Tarpon Springs, if you were to move up the coast a little bit. I'm not in Tarpon Springs. <laughs> there are people right now thinking I made that place up. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, but just real massive side note. We were, my wife and I were told to go there the last time we were down here. And we're like, okay, we'll check it out. And we went in this restaurant. We were the only people under 55. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you wondering, a tarpon is a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we are going to talk about the Blue Jays. We're going to talk about Hyunjin Ryu being healthy in camp, making a start, about Nate Pearson in uh, in his debut in the spring, about Julian Merriweather, who is an actual uh, you know player who is allowed to participate in games now, unlike every other time we've talked about him. Uh, is Trent Thornton in the rotation? Is he, uh, is he competing? Is he the front runner? What is he? Uh, Anthony Alford came uh, up when... Charlie Montoya was asked a question, and then uh, Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. Well, is he is he hitting home runs yet? I don't think so. Uh, Mark Zipchinski, you remember him? We're going to talk about him very briefly. We have, of course, your questions, and that for the moment rounds it out. Unless news breaks as we record this. So, Josh Hyun Jin Ryu, you you said you are in Dunedin, which means you in person viewed Ryu. What do you think? I think that he's healthy in pitching, which is, you know, if you ask like the Cleveland pitching staff and <laughs> they've lost three pitchers already. Yeah. So healthy in pitching is all that matters. And he, he did look good. He, you know, he was mixing in everything today and got some really ugly swings on some changeups. He was facing the Rochester Red Wings, not the Minnesota twins, but no, yeah, he looked good. It looked like the guy that was given $80 million in December. Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely want to get as many, miles out of him as you can having given him all of that change um is yeah. he is he bigger bigger skinnier fatter anything more than you expected because i don't believe we saw him when the dodgers last came to town did we no i'm not sure if we did but i just based on how he looked at the end of the season he actually did look a little bit in better shape i don't think it particularly matters for you because you know, he's been fine with it and, and injured with it. I mean, it's hard to say whether that's actually led to anything because it was shoulder problems, not you know back or leg issues, and you might think would be associated more with weight. So yeah, I mean he looked good. He was moving around well. He 
it's really just, there's not a lot you can say about someone's first spring outing, but he got up to f- over 40 pitches without any trouble. You know, he worked out of a jam in the first inning where it was first and third, nobody out, didn't give up a run. And he's probably he's probably combed his hair since that first press conference. So we're we're off and running. <laughs> yep. Okay, a uh, guy number two, uh, Nate Pearson, also healthy, and he struck out the side in his spring outing. If I read that correctly, yeah, he did. It was a little disappointing for two reasons. One, he only threw one inning, and two, the radar guns aren't working yet. <laughs> so. I, I actually, the, the person who runs stadium ops down there told me that TrackMan used to be in the stadium, and then they took it out as part of the renovations because they're putting in the Hawkeye system for for the robot umpires, balls and strikes that are going to be happening in the Florida State League this year, and they haven't put Hawkeye back in <laughs> because it's really expensive, <laughs> and MLB isn't going to pay for it just for spring training because they're not going to use it during the regular season. So they're trying to figure out a way to get the speed gun back out. And it's not because Pearson was pitching and then we'll get to him, Merriweather. And then it was and like Yancy Diaz and Patrick Murphy and Philippe Omal. It's like, and then uh, Jackson McClellan was like flamethrower, 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 flamethrower. And no one could see the speed. It sounded fast though, right? And the swings made it look like it was fast. Maybe we shouldn't have live every single measurement in the history of man all the time um you know in the stadium maybe you should have to go online to get that information um i don't know about that i think it's kind of fun being able to see you know 100 flash on the screen now apparently pearson did not actually reach 100 miles an hour in his one inning doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he faced you know three major leaguers ish yeah now michael talkman is sort of a major leaguer, but he was up last year, and then Miguel Andujar, who he made look ridiculous. So, this game was not televised, which has been a bit of a problem. The Sportsnet, for whatever reason, has chosen not to broadcast any home games until the middle of the month, and just piggybacking off the road feeds on the on, there on the road. And so nobody got to see Pearson's debut, when he was as good as you could possibly hope he could be, which is a little disappointing when it comes to promoting the product. I think there's a larger issue that's sort of been bubbling around here about promoting the product, which I don't know how far we're going to get into it um, this week, but I think I think MLB in general has a problem. Um, you know, we did not highlight the blackouts in, in my tee-up, but maybe we'll go into that after questions, the blackout issue. How about we leave that? Yeah, but this is just our gold star that we randomly gave out to Trevor Bauer last time. This is what he was talking about, right? Yep. The, the idea of giving people the opportunity to see how cool baseball can be. And Nate Pearson, in his first spring training, blowing away the New York Yankees hitters, even if they're not, you know, he's not facing Judge Stanton and Gary Sanchez. He still blew them away. Got eight swings and misses in the first inning. He only threw 12 pitches. Well, baseball doesn't have to be appointment television, but if you can't put it on in the background just as something to, you know, in the middle of the day that's the actual live sports as opposed to, you know, a replay of uh, in bowling or the hockey game from, you know, late last night that everybody knows the results to. If you can't have it on, then people aren't going to pick up on it at all, even if it is, you, you know, 
why not make it available? It surely cannot cost that much for the broadcast rights to spring training games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the deal with that is. I, it's really weird. Don't want to pay the broadcasters. Don't want to set up your own camera feeds. I don't. I don't know the reasons. It's entirely possible that they just couldn't build the camera wells in time. The stadium wasn't done until the day before spring training games opened. <clears throat> like it, it might just be not a thing they can do. Apparently, apparently the Russian Olympic crew moved in um, to construct the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was originally thought that they wouldn't even be able to play spring training games there this year. That they might have, or at least the beginning of the the, the slate, that they might have had to play at the old Jack Russell Stadium where the Phillies used to play. But obviously, that they got it open enough to work. But back to Pearson. Just <laughs> we've got a little little tangent here. Uh, it's great. Like, obviously, like seeing him come in, strike out, strike out, strike out, and no one even touched the ball. Well, there are a couple of foul tips, but you know, that's great. I mean, it's cool and it's fun. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out if he keeps doing it. Because he's not supposed to make the opening day roster. No. For every reason we've outlined, that lots of people aren't supposed to make the opening day roster. Plus, uh, this is not really necessarily the year the Blue Jays are going for it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I mean, if, if he bangs down the door, and you want to know if he can handle, you know, the adjustment to the major leagues, whatever that's going to be, and you're planning on putting him in the rotation in 2021, 100 percent, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and Russ Atkins sort of addressed not him making the opening day roster. I think that everybody acknowledges that's just not going to happen, uh, but. You know, part of the reason that he will go to the minors is he's only thrown a hundred and some odd innings in the pros. And, you know, they want to be able to monitor him and manage how much work he has to put in so that he can get the most out of it in the big leagues later, especially if they're contending randomly late in the season, not have it to be like, okay, time to shut Pearson down in the middle of August. Mm-hmm. So it's the problem you want to have. Yeah, and it's just easier to do that kind of stuff in the minor leagues. Like, if he's up in the bigs, having him go two innings and going to the bullpen is, it's a lot more damaging than doing that in the minor leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that other name that you said we were going to get to, Julian Merriweather. He does exist. I have visual confirmation. <laughs> uh, and you were impressed with his fireballing ways? Yeah, he threw real hard. Um, and that's that's the book on Merriweather, and it was pre-surgery, so it's kind of nice to see it back afterwards. Um, you know, he he was hitting 100 miles an hour last year in the Arizona Fall League, so he had the fastball. Like it was clearly, it's a pitch that will work for him. He was getting some tough swings. He wasn't getting as many swings and misses, but he got a few. His slider was all right. His changeup, he couldn't throw it at all. He couldn't command it at all for spring training outing. That doesn't matter, but. It was nice to see that everything seemed to be, you know, uh, he seemed to be throwing like a healthy pitcher. And, you know, a guy with that kind of arm, that could actually be really helpful to this team, especially in the bullpen where the changeup wouldn't even matter. Yeah, I mean, the plan is is for Merriweather to fill a slot in the bullpen, I assume. I don't think it is, actually. I think he's still planning, they're planning to have him start right now and then go to the minors as a starter. But I think his eventual role will be to help the major league club in the bullpen. We will see if he masters that uh, changeup. Uh, speaking of starters, I I I have been keeping up with with the literature and um, the the 
opinion seems to be that Trent Thornton, where he sits right now, is in a position that he has the fifth starter spot. Uh, unless Yamaguchi comes out of nowhere and blows everybody away, that Thornton just has to demonstrate his ability to be, you know, consistent in quality and healthy. Yeah, this is kind of one of the funny things about spring training, where, like, like you said, if Yamaguchi comes and blows people away, it's like spring game, training games shouldn't matter. <laughs> but in the first outing, Thornton pitched two perfect innings. Yamaguchi gave up three runs in the first. Or I don't think he got out of the first inning. So that was after that outing was kind of when all these stories you're talking about came out. It's like it's Thornton's job to lose. You know, Yamaguchi has this bullpen stuff, which was always kind of how people were thinking. I On the show, we've talked about how I thought Yamaguchi would be the guy just because if you put him in the bullpen now, you can never start him. Mm-hmm. But Thornton, I think, has the most upside of someone who's, well, of the two of them. You know, because he showed last year in half of his starts where he was really, really good, and the other ones he was really, really bad. But, you know, he was a rookie, and if he can get consistency there and he's working on honing his changeup, then he could be a really useful piece. And Yamaguchi is not, you know, like we said, he's he, he hasn't been a starter recently. Um, that was something he... Sorry, other way around. He has been a starter recently. Yeah. But he was also a closer, so certainly he's not unfamiliar with changing roles. Um, and you could definitely see a, a foreign pitcher um, having to to move to the bullpen because something didn't didn't uh, didn't quite click at MLB level, which is I'm sure happened before. Yeah, and I don't want to put too much weight in that first outing. I'm going to no. see Yamaguchi again on Saturday, and there's still a lot of spring training left, and. As they say, you don't get healthier during spring training. No. <laughs> Someone, I mean, Tanner Burke hasn't even pitched yet because he was sick. He's got the flu. So who knows how this is all going to shake out. But as of right now, yes, it does seem like Thornton is the more likely candidate. And then uh, a, a name uh, came up that uh, we have used over and over and over again in our confusion about what he's what is ever going to happen with him was, was Anthony Alford. So Charlie Montoya was asked... What player are you most excited to, you know, get a good look at this spring training? And he could have picked a lot of people. I mean, Hyunjin Ryu would be the easy sort of lowball answer. Um, but he said Anthony Alford. And he committed to playing Anthony Alford and giving him innings. Yeah, this was kind of interesting because as we talked about, you know, a couple times last September, Anthony Alford did not get any playing time when you know there was no reason not to play him the team was playing out the string that had been a perfect time to see him actually against major league pitchers but so anthony offered in his first game he came out he stole three bases in an inning second third and home and after the game montoya was talking about that's kind of great stuff that he could do for us he can you know he can be a weapon on the bases he can steal a bag he can whatever and then in the last few games he's given it all back <laughs> So what is Anthony Alford uh, done besides those three three stolen bases? Strike out a lot mm. and make defensive errors. Mindful mm. mistakes in the outfield, missing cutoff men, yeah, which is basically the things he needs to do to show that he can play in the bigs are hit and play the field. We know he can run. Everyone knows he can run. But he's struck out six times in eight at-bats in the early going. And it's been... 
So I've seen five of those six strikeouts, and every single one of them has been the same thing. He gets a fastball to hit, and he fouls it back. And then he gets another strike, and all of a sudden he's behind in the count, 0-2, 1-2, and then he strikes out on something nasty, looking or swinging. It's been a mix of both. But he's going to have to start driving those hittable pitches to show that he can actually do it because you know he, ha- he just hasn't been healthy enough to show anybody that he can hit other than that brief spell in AA a couple of years ago. And he's obviously being challenged in these at-bats to hit the fastball. Yeah, I mean... The opponent, there's an opponent score that the baseball reference puts up to show that like the the quality level you're facing. Basically, so like eight is AAA, ten is MLB, seven is AA, his is six point nine. So basically, he's struggling against the equivalent of AA pitchers. As I said with Thornton and Yamaguchi, as you acknowledged, <laughs> it's still very early. But he needs to turn it around fast because he's not just fighting for a position in you know within the pecking order. He's fighting to stay on the forty man roster. Yeah, because he is out of options. So, one one more signing and an unproductive Anthony Alford uh, and someone who they think is more useful than him, and he's going to get bumped. Yeah, I mean, if all he shows is he can do is be a useful pinch runner, which you know that's not a bad thing to have as the twenty sixth man. It's still not enough because you can get other guys to run. Exactly. So in, in uh, disappointments, if we're going to continue in the disappointment <laughs> vein, Vlad Jr., hitting bombs, right? Um. <laughs> hitting line drives, right? Um. <laughs> uh, it's been the ground ball show early in, count, in camp. Uh, this has been something that he was supposed to have worked on, you know, really – that the team says he's worked on and his swing looks like it is designed more to hit the ball in the air. So, you know, results notwithstanding, there does seem to be a bit more loft in his swing than there was last year. It just hasn't shown up in the results. He's hitting ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. And I think he's kind of, his approach hasn't been great. And then, you know, that could just be early spring trying to do something with your swing and trying to adjust to major league pitching for the first time in months at the same time. But the results have been bad. But the process is at least something there. You know, there is something to see. Well, yeah, as long as it's not the same old, same old. I, I think the talent and the amount of work he's put in in his young life has, has shown that he has the ability to get his his body to do what he needs to be successful if he's, if he's putting the effort in the right direction. And I think last year um, he just didn't know where to put the effort at the new level because like like you've alluded to several times it's the first time he's ever really been challenged at a level and how to respond to that challenge is just it's not always easy when it's the first time you're doing that yeah exactly and you know so i'm down here right and i'm seeing the first attempts at hitting pitching as i mentioned with this report this approach and i'm looking at him like oh god like it's not he's not even hitting these crappy pitchers like what is going on it's like it's not even March. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's still February, what, 26th, 27th? 27th today, so, yeah. Yeah, he's got lots of time to really get used to it. And, he, and like you said, as long as he's putting in the work and trying to fix whatever what were the problems, I'm happy to see it. Absolutely. Uh, and then as a, a throwback, I don't know if they signed him on a Thursday, probably not, but we're recording on a Thursday. So throwback Thursday, Mark... Zepchinski or Scrabble is back in the fold. All right, I'm going to challenge you. 
Spell his last name. R Z E P C Z Y. Uh, K I N S K I. No, I screwed one up there. <laughs> You're doing so well. <laughs> it's just N S K I. The last few I, letters. I, I was gonna like that. C Y should be chin, but yeah. Welcome to Polish, a language that only uh, nobody can navigate. Greg Wisniewski. <laughs> hey, you're all pronouncing my name wrong, and it doesn't bother me at all because I also pronounce it wrong. It's Wisniewski. I know that. <laughs> I actually knew a Wisniewski when I was younger, but uh, yes, he's back. Uh, he has not been in the Major League since 2018, it seems. Yep. So he's, yeah, he's, he's not being parachuted in to save anybody. No, and it's actually kind of a strange signing because, you know, his last good season, well, not just not even his last good season. Let's look at his game logs. 2018, 23 games pitched, 10 innings. 2017, 64 games pitched, 31 innings. Sorry. 2016, 70 games pitched, <laughs> 47 innings. He has been a loogie for a long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, even like, the Blue Jays started him for a while, but even when he went to, he got traded to St. Louis, I believe. Was that yeah, in the... Luki. Yeah, and instantly, that wicked, wicked slider from a lefty um, became his number one weapon. And, I mean, that's only good for one thing as a left-handed batter, or a left-handed pitcher versus left-handed batters. But there are no loogies anymore. As the lovely front office of Rob Manfred has uh, brought us the three batter pitcher. Yeah, so I don't really get this move. I mean, there's no harm. It's a minor league deal bringing a guy like that into camp. I just, I can't see him beating anybody out. I mean, if they're going to add a non-roster lefty to the rod, to the rotation, to the bullpen, rather, I'd rather be someone like Kirby Sneed, who can get righties out. Or I don't know if Travis Bergen can, but his numbers suggested he could. I haven't seen him throw yet. But, you know, like it seems like he'd be one of those guys that has not been thrust firmly into the left-handed one-out guy role. So could just be they wanted some more arms in camp and he had nowhere to play. I don't know, but... He also it's... wasn't good last year in AAA doing that thing that he's supposed to be good at. No, and he was terrible in 2018. So... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's 34. He'll be 35 in August, so age 34 season. Maybe lighting a bottle and he shows something, but I don't think it's going to matter too much. No. But, hey, anytime we bring back a player who used to wear the Blue Jay Blue, I think we tend to get not nostalgic that he's going to be great, but it just seems nice that he's come back to where he uh, where he made his home before. Agreed. All right, so we're going to take a brief break, as we are wont to do about this time in the podcast, and we're going to come back with your compelling questions, including one about secret identities, which uh, I've actually had time to think about. We'll be right back. And after that lovely interlude... I know it was lovely, wasn't it? Uh, we, Beautiful. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm kind of, I laughed, I cried, the interlude became a part of me. <laughs> We're going to go back to your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. 
Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right, I'm going to try and follow the rules. I'm going to ask a question. Uh, from non-roster invitee at Trillimo Pena, uh, wouldn't Yasiel Puig look handsome in those new powder blue uniforms? I mean, he would. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue but... with that. But hand, not man. he shouldn't be. <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's no room for Yasiel Puig on the roster. He's not better than Teoscar Hernandez, I don't think, at this point. And you know, one's got upside, and I mean, Puig does too. But Teoscar Hernandez is here for a long time. He's cheap. There's there's no point in adding Yasiel Puig to this team. I don't think. No, I mean, if we could somehow get what 2015 Yasiel Puig, would you want that guy? You I mean yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Why well, do players just keep getting older? It's funny how that happens. No, but this is kind of what we talked about in the past with the kind of up to, uh, upgrades that Ross Atkins is willing to make. It's not Yasel Puig over Teoscar Hernandez, even though Puig is only twenty nine. It's not like he's ancient, but it's getting guys who are legitimate upgrades where it's like yes we have massively increased the production in this position and i mean even if you got 2018 puig that would be a pretty good but i don't think it's necessarily that much better and there's no point in blocking a potential breakup tosca hernandez for that indeed all right this question comes from colleen evans at colleen evans six so there was a, a thing that came out recently that mason saunders was a rodeo pseudonym that <laughs> was actually Madison Bumgarner. So Colleen asks, what secret identities do you think any of the Blue Jays players might have? Um, I have two, I think. And and I'm going to go with the obvious one first, which is um, uh, Joe Biagini. He's uh, not a Blue Jay. But still, I think Joe Biagini and the comedy club that he secretly hosts in the offseason is an obvious low-hanging pick. <laughs> Um, for actual Blue Jays, I think that um, DJ Kilogram uh, travels all over Europe playing clubs um, and, and high-class parties, um, and he's actually none other than Ken Giles. Ooh, I like it. Yep. I got one. <laughs> okay. Did you see that video of Caleb Joseph drumming to Rush? Uh, I, I saw the, the the thumbnail, but I never clicked it. Yeah. He definitely is the drummer for some random band. <laughs> uh, same idea. He's just like C CJ drummer or something like that, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I believe it. I believe, you know, you could have a music career outside of uh, baseball if you were willing to not get, you know, tendonitis in your wrist from playing whatever you, you were playing. Hey, wasn't Bernie Williams a classical guitarist or something? Um. There's been a couple guys who play guitar. Uh, Jack McDowell, didn't he have his yep. whole? Yeah, Barry Zito. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yes. I, I. What does Hunter Pence do in the off season, though, other than go to his home planet? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt as um, if Panic had a, has a good spring and makes the team. Who loses their forty man spot to make room? If AJ Cole does the same, who is next in line to lose their spot to make room for him? This guy, Matt, are you? Do you want to see people out of work, Matt? Is that what you're saying? Well, he also wants to see people get work, so it kind of evens out. I guess. 
Seems cruel. Uh, yeah, so Joe Panic, I would have originally, or I did originally say, if he makes a roster, it'll be at the expense of Brandon Drury. I don't think that anymore. I think that there's a really good chance it could be Anthony Alford in a situation where Tellez makes the roster as well. And Alford just gets the boot and gets to, therefore, he can't keep his 40-man spot because he's out of options. Otherwise, candidates would be like Jonathan Davis, I think. There's not a lot of use for him anymore. As for the pitcher spot, that one's a little tougher because the guys you might think, it's like they don't have the upside, so they might get cut, are like Gavilio and Pannone, but those guys are probably going to be in the big league bullpen. So mm. Hector Perez is probably the guy I would think the most likely, but you know, even he, he's got great stuff, and they haven't ever tried him as a reliever yet. So that one's a lot tougher to, to figure out. I'm not sure. All right. What do you got next? All right. Next one comes from Luke at hashtag we the scarf at split letters. Who are your picks for a surprisingly useful player for this year? Well, what about scarves, Josh? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm in Florida. Don't have to think about them. Uh, my pick. Yeah, but they're a fashion item. Um, <laughs> what, who are your picks for a surprisingly useful player? I pick Travis Shaw. That's not a bad one. Yeah. Uh, I already mentioned it, but Thornton. Trent Thornton, I think, is my my pitcher pick. And for my hitter pick, I'm going to say Derek Fisher. Ooh. Uh, my pitcher pick, if I if we're making one of each, I think my pitcher pick is going to be the aforementioned Julian Merriweather. I like it. I feel like the dark horse candidate <laughs> who, whose arm is going to stay completely attached to his body. Uh, another one from Colleen. Uh, do you know if the Jays... See, we coordinated this well because... You know what my answer would be to this. Do you know if the Jays' international signing budget is large enough for them to be in on the Yoelkis Cespedes, the Cuban outfielder? Yeah, so this is Yoenis Cespedes' half-brother who just recently defected from Cuba. A Cespedes for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's so bad. Yes, they do. Yeah. Um, So the Jays didn't sign, didn't use much of their budget this past season. They only had one player signing of significant money, and that was only $600,000. And with Cespedes, he's probably not going to be signing before next year's July 2nd. That's just my guess because he just defected and then he's got to be declared eligible and established residency and all that stuff. The Jays will have one of the highest pool bonus, uh, bonus pools next year because of where they finished in the standing. So, yes, if anybody does, they do. It's just a matter of how much he's, he's going to want. Indeed. Uh, All right, this next one. This is from Alicia Wisniewski <laughs> at Alicia the Newbie. Face palming about dad jokes, which is funny because you are her dad and you made the joke. <laughs> she did not like my pun in response to your tweet, which I asked if you don't have, uh, I said, if you don't have questions, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, I forgive her for pom- face palming at all my dad jokes because she hears way more than you do, which... I think you probably hear enough in just one hour every week. <laughs> okay. Kate's but tip. I like them. <laughs> yeah, the noises you make when I make some of them are not, they're not affectionate <laughs> noises. <laughs> Kate Stanwick at OK Stan asks, do you think Reese McGuire will still be a Blue Jay by opening day? I, I do not know if this is in reference to the scandal or just uh, the Caleb Joseph catcher situation, etc. But take it away. Uh, the only, I mean... 
I don't think either of those things is going to keep him off the roster. I, I suppose like there could be thoughts about whether they trade one of their two catchers, which has never really gone away. Like if Caleb Joseph shows him a capable, shows himself a capable backup, and Jansen takes steps forward, then theoretically, yes, they could trade Reese McGuire. But I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't. The other stuff is not not keeping him off the roster. Indeed. Um, okay, what's next? From Kevin at Kevin Chase Four. Who will commit the most errors in the outfield for the Blue Jays this season? Who will have the most outfield assists? I think we should have to make this uh, only one answer and have it be the same person for each. <laughs> I think uh, it is the same person. You think it's the same person? You think Teoscar Hernandez? No, you, I think Luis Gurriel Jr. Yeah, okay. Uh, and it's I, not because I think Gurriel is a bad outfielder, by the way. I think that the more likely errors from outfielders are going to be throwing errors. And I just think that he has the kind of arm that could lead to more errors because it's a good arm and people will run on him more. So he'll have to throw hard more. I think people will have learned their lesson from last year attempting to run on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, and that will transfer to Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, that what I just said made no sense, by the way. I said it's a good arm so people will run on him more. What I meant to say is <laughs> because of his arm, he'll be in a more – more of a position to be throwing hard to get people out as opposed to just picking it up and seeing the guy's going to be safe. So that will lead to more throwing errors. All right. Regardless of how you crack it, uh, the egg is still uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. at the center. All right. The last question that we have, I believe, is from Brian Donnelly at Brian Donnelly 8. Which former Jays prospect with the D-backs gets a crack at the bigs first, Snyder or Pompey? Any other former Jays prospects you are rooting for as reclamation projects elsewhere? I don't know about any other ones that I'm rooting for. I mean, I guess I see Danny Barnes stick on somewhere because I always like Danny Barnes. He wasn't great, but he was he was good. And, you know, he's always seemed like a good guy. But uh, I think it's going to be Pompey first because he hasn't failed yet. I mean, the difference between Pompey and Snyder is Snyder got to the bigs and just wasn't that good as a big leaguer. Pompey just kept getting hurt, so he's never played. So, And he's much younger. So I think that if one, that the first one will be him, but you know, I think both of them are long shots to ever be successful major leaguers at this point. I, I agree with that. Um, I'm just trying to think. The, the revolving door of, of no-name folks who've been through here in the past few years is just... I don't know if I could really pick someone who's... Uh, who's a, a project that uh, the Blue Jays moved on from that, that I could even, you know, have a real image or rooting for. <laughs> That's fair. It's just been a lot of people, uh, especially pitchers, turning through the roster. So I'm going to hold off on that one. Uh, if they if someone does get called up and, and the name is, uh, it, it rings a bell, I'm sure we will mention it in the podcast if they're having a killer month. By the way, one crazy thing about Pompey, because he kept getting injured, is that he's only 60 days away from being arbitration eligible. Weird. Yeah. So that's kind like, of goofy because he was also the major league DL, and when he's on the DL, he's accruing service time. Yeah, so service time but no playing time. Yeah. Yeah, he's got 64 games, but he's got two years and 104 days of service. <sighs> that might not do him any favors going forward. All right. No. Um. So we were going to talk about 
the blue uh, the the MLB's uh, confusing policies on whether or not they actually want people to watch any of these so-called baseball games that they apparently have as a product. Yeah, the, and it, it, <laughs> so the Jays this year, for the first time in five or six years, I think, are not going to be watchable within Canada on MLB TV. There's been a lot of angry people about that, angry at the Blue Jays, angry at Rogers. Sounds like it was more MLB's decision based on the way Mark Shapiro described it. It's probably in concert with Rogers wanting to watch their network. The issue I don't think, or the argument shouldn't be angry at Rogers, angry at MLB. For this, it should be that these blackouts exist at all because they're just stopping people from being able to see the product and it's all about just increasing the value of those TV deals as opposed to increasing the reach of your game. Yeah, and I think baseball has been almost entirely disconnected from the idea that if you create a bubble of high-value live sports television price and you don't follow up and support that with a actual audience behind that that price that at some point when those contracts go to be renewed um the the purchasers of these services are are going to say hey there's nobody watching our advertising on these channels when we put baseball on so it's not worth it for us to carry this at the anywhere near the price that you're talking about I, i don't know how baseball hasn't clued in that that's you know that's gonna happen yeah, yeah it, it's really it's, – it's tough to understand. Like, as you said, we don't know why that's the case and how they haven't figured that out. And there's funny, funny memes going around is, you know, and it's like someone like, we want to be able to watch more games. What? You want pitch clocks? We want more <laughs> games. Pitcher minimum. Batter minimums. <laughs> it's, like, it's the same thing we talked about last time. MLB likes to fix problems that don't exist and ignore the ones that are real. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know what the – you know, and the long-term answer is the bubble's going to burst, um, and 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 that's going to coincide with when the players are getting a bigger slice of the pie because the players are. I, we've been talking about this for years, but th- there is not a peaceful labor negotiation coming up in any sane person's estimate of how how this is going to go. So. Um, the players are going to negotiate for a bigger slice of the pie, and then the pie is probably going to get smaller when the broadcasters decide that they don't really get the value that they they were paying for up until now out of baseball. So then the owners are going to feel a pinch, and they're going to cry that, oh, they can't afford to pay players or build stadiums or whatever else. And the whole thing kind of spirals downward real fast if that's the way it goes. And again, you and I can see that from... 10,000 feet away. But we can't do yep. anything about it. Correct. I feel awesome I to... now. <laughs> yep. I need to become commissioner for the day. Uh, it's, did you see Jose Canseco's tweet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, I'm ready to I become don't, commissioner. I don't want him as the next commissioner. <laughs> did, did you see my response? No. Retweet if you have exactly one thing in common with Jose Canseco. 
I too am ready to be commissioner. And and, and that's the only yeah, that's it. <laughs> Me and him. One single solitary thing. Oh, okay. So baseball. Um hey, get your act together. Mm, crickets. Okay. What else do you have on your mind as you sit there in uh, lovely Dunedin? Yeah, so just I mentioned Patrick Murphy, seeing him as among the flamethrowers that threw in that game with the radar gun. So Murphy last year, he's he's one of the better arms in the J system. He's had some injury problems, which have held him back, but he was doing well. And then his delivery was ruled illegal by the Umpires Association. Oof. So, yeah, he had because he had a toe tap. So he was ruled you can't do that. So he had to remake his his windup and struggled mightily at the end of the season, you know, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I saw him pitch and he looked really comfortable with his new wind, his new delivery. He's got a much more a much longer leg kick, and he was spotting up everything, throwing good change up for a strike, really good breaking ball. You know, that's the kind of thing that shows that he's gotten this down and now he's someone i really think is worth watching this year because i think that he's the best pitching prospect in the system that people aren't really aware of how many guys could have a uh song played which actually contained their name in it um coming in from the bullpen The number has to be pretty small, doesn't it? Yeah, I was trying to think of examples, but I'm not going to keep going. Uh, Though I don't know if you'd want to come into the night that Patty Murphy died when you're trying to get people out. No, that's when you go out there and you immediately get injured in your first warm-up or something. (laughs) But it's there for him if he ever makes it. Um, My final thought is uh, regarding... Uh, a tweet from Nick Ashbourne at Nick Ashbourne and please it's a poll uh, hopefully by the time you listen to it it will still be open uh, he has taken the opportunity to uh, give Reese McGuire a hard time about his uh, recent arrest for uh, indecent exposure uh, like charges I don't remember what the exact term was so he says it seems that before the season starts we're going to need to all agree on a Reese McGuire home run pun sample dialogue Reese McGuire just blank it over the right field wall Um, he was open to other suggestions he included yanked pulled blasted and spanked however uh, pounded uh, jacked jerked it Uh, yeah there's a few more so, if you're looking to vote in a very important Twitter poll, Nick Ashbourne is looking for your votes, people. And I just love that, you know, there <laughs> that a dong is also a term for a home run. <laughs> you could they could really get ridiculous with this. And I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea at the time, and then it wasn't. All right, uh, that is to say uh, that you are Joshua Hausman at uh, Joshua Hausman, and I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this has been episode number 167 of Artificial Two. <laughs> You're doing so well! Artificial Turf Wars, and we'll talk at you in a couple weeks. Next week. Next week.